0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Clear the Cache. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me again is Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. And guys, I always say that Jesse is the straw that stirs the drink. He's all the muscle behind this show. He's the driving force. And because of that, today it feels like we might get a flu game Jordan episode out of Jesse. He's mildly under the weather, but the superstar that he is, he showed up today to deliver in a big way because without him, it would just be me talking and I'm not sure what we would get done. So Jesse... If, if we get any coughs on this episode, uh, a potential sneeze, uh, we know and we're assuming that you're COVID-free, but I just want to let everybody know that you're out here giving it 110, even when you're feeling like you're at 60.
1: Did Jordan have a sore throat game, like a sore throat mild cough game <laughs> besides <laughs> the flu game? Because that's, that's, probably, that's probably a fair description of how this episode's going to go. Um, don't worry, guys. I... Uh, I, I, was a little concerned at first, not going to lie, cause, um, some of my girlfriend's family members were starting to experience like, it, and them and I were starting to experience similar symptoms around the same time, just like random out of nowhere, sore throat, slight like cough. Um, so I, uh, took a day off work just to play it safe, got tested for, uh, for COVID fortunately came back negative. Um, so no post national COVID, uh thank god um but uh i just you know just wanted to play it safe so if you guys are and i'm fully vaccinated by the way so if you guys are experiencing any symptoms whatsoever and you have to interact with other human beings outside of outside of your household or if you have human beings inside your household that are at high risk and you all of a sudden start experiencing you know cold or flu like symptoms don't hesitate to get tested just psa on that um but yeah fortunately uh, just a just a sore throat, mild, annoying cough. Uh, show.
0: Well, and and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully I can get rid of all the coughs. It's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Okay. There's podcasts out there that have the sound of an industrial fan going in the background. People leave their windows open as public city buses drive by. Dogs barking. People are recording through their headphones or computer and don't realize that their mic isn't recording. So there's many other concerns in the world of podcasting. And I think we're going to be okay. But Jesse, I've had people hit me up on Twitter and they're like, Nate, they're like, what happened with the garage sale? What happened with the garage sale guy? You were you were hot, you were on it, you got this crazy deal set up and you said that there were more rookies to chase. What's the update on that? And Jesse, I've been going back and forth with this guy I, at this point, at this point, it's like trying to acquire a home. It's not the price of the home. It's the back and forth bullshit to just try to like seal the deal. Because I think this guy doesn't want me to just buy singular items out of this box. He wants me to buy the whole box. And there's like a bunch of Maglio Ordonez and stuff in there that I don't want. And I'm like, right? Yeah, he was PCing him pretty hard. So I'm like, listen, guy. I'm like, here's the deal. I go, I will give you X amount of dollars for these cards. He set a price tag. It's a little higher than I wanted. So we're going to go back, meet one more time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to tell him exactly which cards I want because there are great cards in there. Again, super rare David Ortiz rookies that like on the spot, I'm looking up that raw are going for hundreds. And obviously when they gem out, they're going for you know thousands. And there's lots of different cards in here. I mean, again... This guy essentially was like a safety deposit box for the last 30 years and just held these cards and here he is flipping them. And I probably should just pony up and buy the whole thing because really if one or two of these cards gems out, I've paid for the entire box. And then you're sitting on 200 other cards and it's house money. But the type of person I am, the people that we are, we haggle everything. We go into no haggle situations and attempt to haggle, Jesse. It's what we do. It's innate. It's in our nature. Am I playing this wrong, Jesse? Should I should I find it within myself to just pay the asking price or close to it so that I can just secure the bag? Depending on what's in the box, I mean, it might make it
1: might make financial sense to just get the box because once you once you grade everything out um, and you end up selling that for a pretty decent profit all of a sudden you're you're basically like you said playing with the rest of the boxes house money you could do whatever you want at that point I mean you could you if if anything um, gets crazy at a random point in time in the hobby of like I'm, Dave let's say let's say there's David Wells cards in there and for whatever reason David Wells is in the news or David Wells cards are just going <laughs> insane <laughs> All right. It doesn't have to be David pole. Wells. No, I'm it's just, fine. I'm it's just saying, pole. but uh, but like we saw something similar to this. Uh, although baseball isn't doesn't quite carry the same weight as basketball cards do right now. But back in February and March of this year, you saw every like almost everyone from the '90s in basketball just going up in value. I didn't. I. Sh- I am so, I'm such an idiot because I had maybe like 10 raw Sean Kemp rookie cards when they I they must have like 10 X in value. Of course, they're raw. They're not graded that they're, they're cards that my, me and my brother collected when we were both kids. Um, I I should have just flipped them then and there. And that's I mean, um, don't get me wrong. Sean Kemp, of course, like perennial all star in the 90s. And he was like one of the most exciting players in that generation. But um but i mean i'm just saying that pretty much like whoever can get hot at any point um especially if they're you know their their careers are obviously well established they've long been retired but they still have a fan base so um maybe david wells wasn't the best example but maybe maybe a really popular slugger from the 90s uh could could make your could could make the whole purchase um very worthwhile for you so Um, It might not be the worst idea just to buy the box outright. Definitely try to, I mean, we we are haggling people. So I I would try to avoid paying full sticker price if you're able to talk him down. um, I wouldn't say just to, because it sounds like you guys have a decent relationship. And I feel like just offering 50% of what he's, uh, of what he's, offering you the whole box for i i wouldn't say go quite down that route unless if you didn't know the guy and just started talking to him and just just to start a conversation but it sounds like you've been talking to this guy for at least a couple of weeks or months so don't it's probably better not to lowball him but if you could save like 20 up to 25 percent on the box and you think you can make some money after grading some cards then go for it
0: i think that's the play I, I got to reach out to him one more time and try and lock this thing down because I, I would like to get these cards in my possession. I've been fairly obsessed with the, the 90s baseball recently, and I think there's a lot of value to be had there. I mean, again, all it takes is one of these Gary V tweets one of these days, too. If he just happens to mention one of the guys in that box... Or 90s baseball at all. I feel like that's on his scheduled tweets list. It has to be coming at some point, Jesse. He's making his way around the horn, as some would say. And I think he's going to make his way back to baseball. And as you said, we are hagglers. It is what we do. It's in our blood. Jesse, takeaways from the National and the interview with John Scanlon last week. Did you get... Uh, some sort of response or did you hear response from listeners and what were some of your takeaways from the national in general
1: so um john did a fantastic job by the way last week that was that was by far like no offense to our other guests like that we had we've had great guests on so far on the show um out of the three interviews that we've done but that was that was that was um probably my favorite um just because of the insane stories that he had ever since like coming back into the hobby like 10 years ago or so it was just just crazy like just like you could literally write um like if if a hobby if, if the hobby needed a movie you could john could be the star of your movie like that's that's how insane some of the stories that he has um ever since he jumped back into it are but um yeah john knocked it out of the park honestly like he's like i i didn't I, I, you know I wanted him to, to say as much as he could during the episode during last week's episode but honest to God John is like probably my favorite individual in the hobby ever since i jumped back into it he is just such a generous dude um he will go out of his way to help you however he can so i'm sure that there are so many people who have reached out to him after the episode there are people that reach out to me saying like holy shit this was like this was your guys this interview was like bonkers it was it was just crazy i was my ears were glued to my phone when i was listening to this when i was driving so um he did a fantastic job honestly like i i hope i hope to meet him again uh in the near future either at hopefully his show that would be that would be incredible to go down to colorado um or if if that's not able to work which i really hope it does but if if not then we're just going to see each other in ac uh, 12 months from now 11 months from now so um i really can't wait to meet that dude again like honest i'm just happy to call him a friend and and it was it was great to to get him on and and get somebody who i think the audience is going to be genuinely excited to to hear from if they haven't heard that episode yet and if if, you know assuming we bring him on a second time like people are people are going to mark that episode in their calendars so um kudos to him um for for such a great interview last week but my takeaways from the national. the, sh- the sheer amount of people that um, that were there between all five days I don't think it's that far-fetched to say that there w- that there were a hundred thousand plus people there over the course of, of five days there weren't I don't know how many people actually stayed Wednesday through Sunday there were a lot of people that just came in that flew in um, Wednesday night came Thursday flew out Saturday there's there's a bunch of those people but um there's there's of course a, a ton more people, or a, a, if not the same amount of people that that literally went every single day. I went every single day. I I got into I road trip to Chicago. Got there Tuesday. We stayed until Sunday. So I I think Sunday I was only there for like two or three hours. But um, and then we we road trip back. So I I was I was in it like that. would I was I was legitimately a kid in a candy store there. And that's pr- that's probably too weak of an analogy, honestly. Just because like. Um I went I went with my girlfriend and uh and I think two or three three of the 5 days she was there with me and uh, like if she wasn't paying attention I was just walking to the next table with my little with my little briefcase of cards and just like I was just I was just drooling at like just going from table to table and she had to like catch up to me so um yeah the amount of people there it was it was probably As much, if not a little more than what I was expecting. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend about the show, like, prehand, when we were on the way down. She's like, oh, I I mean, do you really think there's going to be that many people there? Like, you think people are actually coming to this from, like, all over the country? Like, I don't even know if there's going to be 20,000 people there. I'm like, babe, please, like, keep your expectations the way that they are um, just because I want to see the look on your face when you get overwhelmed when we literally can't move um and that's exactly what happened the first day it ha- it happened right away um so uh the sheer amount of people that that got me that got me very excited um what else there were um probably the most amount of dealers i would guess this year um than previous years they definitely utilized the hell out of the space so they had they had something for a little bit of everybody. Um, there was a there were of course people that weren't even there for the cards. They were they they were there for memorabilia and getting getting their stuff signed by um, uh, either uh, current or or past uh, like former athletes, just because they're memorabilia collectors and that's that's just what they do. And the nationals honestly a great place for that. And that stuff hasn't like spiked quite the same way that cards has it's a totally different market i don't know i'm sure it'll spike but i don't know if it'll ever spike quite like cards have but um there were just there was just a ton of excitement for so many for for people in so many avenues whether it be in memorabilia or cards there was a breaker pavilion um i honestly got guys i haven't been to previous shows this was my first national there were uh, this was many people's first national even even people who have been collecting for 10 plus years this was their first national so um, I don't know if if uh, there have been like a, a place for, for breakers to break at their booths in previous years, but they had a whole pavilion. It was, called, it was literally called Breakers Pavilion where um, where they were able to rip product and broadcast on their YouTube channel or Instagram live or wherever. Um, so that was pretty exciting. It was, it was a good, a good time for, for, uh, breakers and people who love participating in breaks as well. It just, it kind of had a little bit of everything for everyone. Um, pricing. So for this show, like I've gone to, um, two shows basically in the month and a half leading up to, to the national in Philadelphia and Virginia. Um, those were like hundred to 200 table shows. So they, they weren't small by any means, but, um, it seems like the pricing was kind of around the ranges of those shows that I've been to. So uh, for a majority of sellers, uh, so in local shows, uh, it really depends on the show. But um, in order for the sellers to set up, it'll cost them probably a couple hundred dollars for the booth or at least for their space of the booth. Um, whereas at the National for for you know a pretty decent sized booth, it'll probably cost you around two grand. So understandably, uh, the sellers have to take into account their travel expenses, their hotel stay. They have to take into account everything, including the cost of the booth. So there's going to be some stuff that's priced either the same as it is on eBay or maybe 10 to 20 percent higher, especially if it's on the more common stuff. Um, so, I mean, it, it is what it is. I can't really like if if I was trying to negotiate with the seller and he wouldn't really come down. Too much from even what like eBay comps are then you know I, I have to walk away, but I have to respect their decision um, to list them that way just because they they do have to make their money back um, so that's totally understandable um, but the national so maybe for trying to find the more um, the more Uh, readily available stuff it might not be the best place for that honestly you could just you could just go on ebay but if you want something that's really really scarce and just something that really clicks with you which uh, i was fortunate enough maybe we'll talk about it later in the show to find a couple pieces that i literally couldn't leave the show without um at that point like especially if the sales history is limited as hell comps are out the window so um the national it really brings out some special cards that you might not you might not be able to find again or um, that pop up on eBay maybe like twice a year or once a year or once every five years. Um, so the national is a great place to find uh, really scarce pieces and uh, from from that point like you can kind of uh, negotiate a little bit easier if anything than actually some some raw some uh, some more common stuff. Um, so finding finding really exciting pieces uh, was was definitely a huge part of the show, and um, I mean the excitement was just it it was incredible. It was it was like nonstop uh, Wednesday through Saturday. It was like it was just a constant stampede of people every morning. And then Sunday it kind of died down a little bit just because people were looking to fly out that day. Um, I, w- I was even kind of debating myself if I should go Sunday, and I- I'm really glad I did just because uh, I was able to meet up with a couple buddies and, and, and get some trades done and obviously say, say goodbye to John and, and snap a final picture. Um, so I was happy to, to go then. Um, one thing that I regret that I wasn't able to do, was attend one of the trade nights so again i i went to the show with my girlfriend and um kind of uh i mean she's like she's okay on cards she gets it um but she like you know we're in chicago we never go to the midwest we've we've literally gone to like california florida maybe a couple other places and that's it we've never been to chicago so understandably so our agreement for the trip was first half of the day is going to be cards. So we're going to go to, to the convention together. And then second half of the day is Chicago. So we're going to explore downtown. We're going to explore um, some of the suburbs. And we, we, we went to some really great places, had, uh, had some awesome food and, and drinks and whatever. But um, so my, my time was a little bit limited in the second half of the day in terms of cards. But that's when the trade nights were happening. So it's it, they've been advertised like crazy in, in previous shows where um, I believe it's card collect uh, on his Instagram handle is card collector two from um, uh, from Ohio. He has, uh, by the way, I visited his shop uh, side note on, on the way to um, on the way to the show. But um, he's been hosting the trade nights at the national for the last, I want to say, two or three nationals. And they've just especially from from 2018 or 2019 on, they just blew up in terms of the foot traffic there and how many people showed up and stayed for the entire time. Um, so, uh, there were, it, it sounds like in previous years, there was only like one really big trade night, maybe a couple smaller other trade nights at, at some other hotel lobbies or hotel like conference rooms or con- conference centers. Um, there was a trade night every night at this show. Um, and it, and it was like the amount of people, it like, from from the pictures that I saw and from from the Instagram lives that I saw, it was hard to get around. It was like it was like the national away from the national. It was just it was crazy. Um, the sh- the trade nights would start for depending on the trade night they would start around like six to eight p.m. something like that. They'd have to kick them out at like four o'clock in the morning. It was yeah. It was just that, and and this was for multiple multiple trade nights. So. Um, I really wish uh, I could have gone to at least one of them, at least at least the uh, Card Collector 2's trade night. Um, but that's, I mean, that's that's something that I'm gonna have to do next year in AC, and I, I don't really have many excuses, just because like it's AC. All right, no offense to people who live in Jersey, but I mean, it's just Jersey. You know, I I I live close to it, so I can. I've been to Jersey so many times that I, it's kind of just I know what to expect. Um, so there's there's. Uh, there's not too, too much to, to explore that I, that I already don't know about, but, um, yeah, I mean, AC next year, my focus is going to be solely cards. Like if my girlfriend was, is listening to this, I'm sorry. Like next year, we're literally going to like, we're doing cards like 15 hours a day <laughs> next year. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, sorry for, sorry for ranting. Um, that was just kind of my, my long, my long winded, um, list of takeaways that, that I had from the national.
0: Listen, man, you you have to recap. And with John here, we kind of gave him his space. So you're telling your side of the story now. If these trade nights are going till four a.m., Jesse, I would just sleep most of the night, and casually show up at about two thirty, when everybody's human brain is less functional than it was at about ten <laughs> p.m., and start wheeling and dealing with the sharpest brain in the room. Right? That might have been that might have been the play right there guys
1: we're we're trying to increase our actionable content that's yes. the play right there yeah. sleep all right go to the national leave at 6 p.m. yes go right to your maybe maybe grab like a quick bite to
0: eat go right to your hotel room sleep yes. come back at 2 a.m. and then just you're dealing with zombies rake there. in the cash listen i don't know why this hasn't come up sooner it just makes so much sense trade night would be so much easier if you were the only guy in the room that had 8 hours of sleep so <laughs> Well, listen, Jesse, I, I wanted to talk about some of the some of the most popular card sales that are taking place right now, because we talk about actionable content. And, and this has been a subject that you and I have hit on since the origin of the show. And we always sort of have promoted the theory that quarterback is king, right? And it always really has been in terms of ceiling, in terms of floor, in terms of expectation and excitement. It tends to linger with the quarterbacks. And I was doing some research on the market movers app to try to validate this. And I, I was not shocked to see what the current state of card sales by volume actually was, because if you basically sort NFL football and you sort by card volume by player, the first 25 cards of the most volume sales are quarterback, without a doubt, it is all quarterbacks. But was what was really, really shocking in there as I'm sifting through here is that more card sales than Carson Wentz are Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason. Those two guys have sold more cards over the last 30 days than Carson Wentz. What does that tell you about the position that people are trying to take? Um, and, and these two players in general, I mean, where is your head at on this?
1: Speculation it's speculation season. SZn Speculation season. Um, this is probably about the high point that we'll see for guys like this. So um, I think I think people who are transacting regularly in um, with with Jacob Eason and especially Sam Ellinger, Jesus. Um, if they're if they're transacting uh around those guys um it's just they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle um it's a very it's a very dangerous game to play um we've already seen it before with um it wasn't so much speculation it was actually after the fact but this is kind of i mean you you'll, you'll kind of get what i'm saying cuz this is what people are going for so when a couple weeks ago we talked about the cam makers achilles tear and all of a sudden, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even remember how far we we dove into some some Darrell Henderson sales, but there was. Um, I think Darrell Henderson's Prism Silver Rookie PSA ten went from like twelve dollars to over a hundred dollars in the course of like thirty six to forty eight hours um, after the injury. So I think I think people who are buying up Ellinger and Eason cards are. Speculating on the fact that Carson Wentz might suffer a setback in his recovery, or come week three, assume, assuming he comes back in uh, on time by week one, and he's fully healthy or close to it, um, and he's he's out again week three. People are just kind of speculating on that chance of Wentz getting injured, and honestly, it's entirely possible. It's just a very dangerous game to play just in case if it never happens cuz if you're paying I don't know. I haven't seen these specific <clears throat> high dollar Jacob Eason and Sam If he barely has any like graded cards. Probably maybe <laughs> maybe none. Um, just cuz he's so he's so raw and he's so he's so new. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're transacting like for like $500 Jacob Eason cards, $1000 Jacob Eason cards, you You're playing a dangerous game right there, Um, dude. And like, honest to God, what if he sucks? What if he just starts playing week three and just has a Nathan Peterman level game and throws six interceptions in the first half or whatever Um, that you're playing a dangerous game there, too, because even if you sell something on eBay like the half, the quarter that Wentz is knocked out and he's out for the foreseeable future. Jacob Eason comes in. You have, you have your Jacob Eason card listed on eBay. Um, someone buys it immediately. They, there is a chance that, let's say, again, he throws like three or four interceptions that, that afternoon. You ship it out. They get it. They claim something's wrong with the card because they want their money back and then they huh. ship it back to you. So you just wasted your time for nothing. So it's it's just a dangerous game. Just please, like, I, I understand speculation is kind of like, it's it's in the hobby. There's nothing we can do about it. Honestly, I mean, if anything, it's, like, it's a fun thing. It's like, even for people who aren't gamblers in the hobby, for people who have been collecting for years and decades... They still like to you know kind of speculate on on younger players who I mean it's just it's just fun to do like guys we play we literally play dynasty fantasy football doing exactly this it's it's fun as hell it's fun as hell on cards too um, but when you're dealing with a, a decent amount of money that could be easy, like better well spent um, just be careful transacting with with guys like that I know' they're quarterbacks quarterbacks move the needle but just
0: just protect yourself. So use the phrase, be careful. Be careful when playing this game. What if I told you, and you're probably not surprised, that Trevor Lawrence is number four in card sales over the last 30 days with almost 2,400 transactions. But correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, all we're really looking at at this point is score and prism draft pick cards, which means the product that's available is in a collegiate uniform. There
1: are... Um, I think there are some pro uni cards out there. Like, for example, I didn't talk about this from the national. Um, so my girlfriend and I had the, the VIP package tickets, so we didn't have to wait in line when we, when we got into the show, we just, we could just walk right in. Um, but they had, uh, they had every year at the national, they have Panini national VIP packs. So there's literally, that's, that's, that's a set. It's called Panini national VIP. Um, and I was able to redeem my vouchers that I got in my gift bag, my VIP gift bag for those packs. And the top card in every pack that I saw was a Trevor Lawrence in a, in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform in that set. But, I mean, the, basically the sets that are out right now, even if, even if they are in his pro unis, guys, as soon as Mosaic, Mosaic's probably going to come out first then optic then prism and select interchangeably um once those products start coming out and especially god god forbid like when national treasures comes out um these products that are being transacted now especially for trevor lawrence uh they're gonna they're just gonna fall by the wayside it is what it is like people will hit me up on twitter asking me about justin fields or trevor lawrence or trey lance collegiate autograph cards they're serial number they're cool cards um Honestly, cool PC pieces. If you just want to grab onto them now and hold onto them, and not even thinking about selling them. But um, if you're looking to make money, this is this is the perfect time to sell. And it doesn't surprise me that, especially Trevor Lawrence is an interesting case, just because he signed a deal with Tops um, around like draft time. I don't know if I don't know how many of you knew that. Um, maybe maybe there's a lot of people out there that already bought those Tops cards. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that Trevor Lawrence has a, a large, a, like, inexorbitant uh, transaction volume on eBay, um, just because he has so many freaking cards of him printed out there. So, and honest to God, like, even if like he could turn out to be the next Andrew Luck, but I don't know how how valuable those cards are going to be long term.
0: It's interesting. I mean, we've talked about the collegiate uniform card values in the past, and I see it too. I see lots of guys posting pictures of a collegiate. Uniform auto card, and and it's not serial, and it's like the bottom on these cards falls out as soon as the you know majority of their NFL product hits the market, Short of like an ultra rare collegiate card. I think we were looking at the Jacoby Brissett, like a couple months ago, right? There was it was like one of ones, and I think it was like maybe like an orange bowl. Uh, you know, patch or something. I can't remember what it was, but they were one-on-ones. Like, short of these incredibly rare, like, national treasure-type items or, you know, patch auto-type items, like, the bottom is going to fall out so fucking hard on these cards, especially when we're looking at a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who has 2,400 transactions, mostly draft picks, at a price of $14 a card. They're already basically nothing in terms of cost. So, moving from 14 down to about $3 is not going to be a difficult slide. We're watching cards fall hundreds of dollars. So, for this card to fall back 80% to essentially the cost of shipping is not going to be surprising. So, all of these guys you need to temper expectation if if you're looking to just spend some money and like Jesse said, just rip packs and you know, and, and maybe find something to PC, that's one thing. But the odds that you're going to find a card that's going to hold through their NFL career, good or bad, and there's a high likelihood that many of these guys aren't that good. This happens annually. That uh, the card that you're holding is going to have any value. Just know that what you're doing today is going to probably profit you nothing tomorrow. But I don't want to take the fun out of it. Okay, it's the reason I go on... Rides at the carnival, I know I'm going to throw up. I know I'm going to be sick. I go on them anyways because it's exhilarating. And then I throw up, and I feel terrible for a while. And then I might go get an elephant ear, and that's how I recoup. Okay, this is your carnival ride where you barf everywhere. Enjoy it, but know that you're going to barf everywhere, Jesse. Now, you frequent my slabs. Right. Is what's what what's kind of the pulse right there? Are you, is it mostly quarterbacks still today or what's happening on MySlabs?
1: There was an exciting announcement from um, Matthew Greeney, one of the one of the heads of MySlabs. He said, um, I believe it was either Wednesday or Thursday of um, of this week. So it'll it'll be about like a week when this episode uh, airs. Um, it'll probably be like a week before this episode aired. Um, My slabs had the most, the highest um, volume of uh, transactions on their website since early February, um, when pretty much like that's when February was when the LeBron James Topps Chrome PSA ten was going for like forty k. Um, the Michael Jordan uh, Fleer PSA ten was going for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like these monster cards went up. 5x in the course of a month and just that's uh, just so many so many all-time greats and just and just people like whoever like if you were a fan of just player x in the 90s that means probably a lot of other people were a fan of that player and that means their card probably 5x in february so february was just that was one of the most insane run-ups in the history of the hobby um it probably rivals on i I reference august of 2020 a, a ton it probably rivals august of 2020 if not like the price the price increases were that much more drastic in february than they were in august of last year um so the the fact that MySlabs came out and saying that they had their f- highest number of sales, uh, that day, um, since early February, it's it's really saying something. Um, the the uh, well, like what was actually transacted on the site, which kind of headlined um, most of the transactions of that day, were quarterbacks and sealed wax. So um I'm guessing probably a good amount of the sealed wax was football related. So it sounds like right now we're we're kind of hitting peak football season. Um it's not going to I don't think it's going to let up until maybe week 2 of the NFL season when we we actually see prices start to like I'm not saying crash but I'm saying normalize because maybe their the the run up might have been a little extreme um it, for some cases but um we've Nate, like you, like we keep saying, quarterback is king, and it's honestly that's the evidence right there. That's all the evidence I need, really. Like I trans, I transact on my slabs all the time. I have cards that I desperately want on there, and I look at them daily. I, I for the players that I PC, I search them daily. I look them up on the website daily just to see what else is available. Um. Uh, but it's it's really encouraging just to see that the. If not, the, if not the dollar in sales, like the, the bottom dollar, just as long as the sales volume is there, like that's what makes me excited
0: about the, the time frame that we're in in this hobby right now, especially for football. Absolutely. On fire still. I mean, just so much enthusiasm, and we're going to enter the NFL season, and it's only going to surge. Now, back to the Market Movers app. I was looking at the most purchased players and their volume. And then I decided, hey, let's look at running back. I'm curious because running back is a popular position. And I was looking for the most purchased running back over the last 30 days. Now, Jesse, I want you to guess who number one was. I'm going to give you a hint. Number two is Saquon Barkley. But before you guess, I want to mention that this show is sponsored by underdog fantasy guys. Go download the app today and use the promo code UNDERWORLD and get a $25 bonus cash deposit for new players. Jesse, you're all set up. It's all teed up. There's no way you can get this wrong. It's impossible to get this one wrong. Who is the most purchased running back over the last 30 days non-rookie?
1: So um, my guess would be since i've seen his prices skyrocket ever since last season skyrocket they've gone up since last season where whereas with a lot of running backs f- since last season their prices have gone down because running back is a very injury prone position unfortunately and there were there were uh, some players who who missed a good chunk of the season last year so if anything it's pretty impressive that saquon rebounded uh, like he did um to the point where I think his prices are actually uh, slightly up from from where they were last season, depending on the card that you're looking at. So my guess would have been
0: uh, Derrick Henry. Mm. Mm. It's not. It's not. He's much smaller than Derrick Henry, uh, in fact, and also much younger than Derrick Henry. Uh, It's a good guess. It makes sense. But no, it's not. What if I told you that it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Is the most purchased running back over the last 30 days. Now, Jesse, as many people know, I died mil- millions of different times last year in the eyes of of the fans of fantasy football. But please allow me to allow me to defend myself for a moment. Now, Clyde Edwards-Allaire was over a thousand yards from scrimmage last year, which is ultra impressive. For a rookie okay that's ultra impressive so again I don't know where the narrative got spun that he wasn't good I'm still fucking shocked by this currently his underdog ADP is pick 23 so he's going in the first two rounds oh that's weird so suddenly he's back up in the first two rounds selling a lot of cards and let's talk about this for a second because the, the big news media doesn't want you to know this they, they don't want you to. we're probably going to get canceled on the network Clyde Edwards played 13 games last year, guys. And I don't know if you know this, but the NFL season, 16 games. He missed three games due to a high ankle sprain. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the player that many of you think was not a successful player last year, scored 176 points. He had three remaining games left in the season. Had he been healthy, if he had scored 42 more points, he would have been a top 10 running back last year in total fantasy points scored. You guys are out of your fucking minds. He's finally selling the way that he's supposed to. All of a sudden, there's this air quote renewed enthusiasm. It shouldn't be renewed. The guy was great. He was already playing exceptionally well. He still plays for the goddamn Chiefs. You guys pretend like he was in a body bag last year and suddenly were, like, reviving his corpse, and now this year he's supposed to put together a better year. If he puts together a better year than he did last year, he'd be like fucking Jamal Charles, okay? He averaged 4.4 4 yards per carry. He's in an exceptional offense. He plays with Patrick Mahomes. I just love that all of a sudden people are like, I'm going to be the bigger man now. Now I'm going to accept the fact that Clyde Edwards might be good. He was good last year.
1: Small takeaway from that beautiful rant uh jamal jamal charles cards undervalued
0: um <laughs>
1: <laughs> they really are though they're they're super cheap if you want to be like a jamal charles super collector collect the hell out of jamal charles um uh, to kind of go through my what what my rationale is of why his his product is moving fairly fairly steadily in that's putting it generously that's that's putting it mildly i mean like it's it's moving at like a gargantuan pace um i think there were a ton of people myself included that that joined the hobby in 2020 um so people are kind of running back to the 2020 set as you know that's their first football set that they purchased um ever since like coming back of course um and he was—I mean, he was the first running back taken in the draft—and I can't—I can't shit on him for how he played last year, just because he—he—he he played exceptional um, in the amount of game in, in the amount of games that he that he played in. Um, and like I said, he was the first running back taken taken in the draft, and he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs right next to Patrick Mahomes. So um, that's that's kind of a recipe for for his cards staying hot right, or staying very relevant um i mean they're right now they're far more relevant i i see like deandre swift collectors now and jk dobbins collectors and people people collect their products but from the sound of it and we're we have data to back it up it sounds like ceh is a much more popular option at this point
0: listen jesse I got to go back into the fire for a sec. I'm not done putting this fire out in the forest. I'm not done yet. Listen, and everybody wanted to bring up the fact they're like, oh, well, Clyde Edwards, he didn't face that many average defenders in a box. Of course, they don't want to give credit to Andy Reid for being an absolute genius and putting him in positions to be successful. And of course, they're not going to load the goddamn box. Patrick Mahomes is going to pick him apart with his arm. You want more defenders guarding the pass. It's what they do. You can't put one guy on Tyreek Hill and you can't not bracket Travis Kelsey but even if we were just looking at his number 9 overall light front carry rate we'd also be looking at his number 46 running back fucking run blocking efficiency. So it's not like he had some top two run blocking efficiency and he's transitioning from college to the NFL. You know how many guys have had an average or just great year one before they transition into this lightning in a bottle fantasy asset? How ridiculous, how stupid are you guys going to feel when he finishes the year as a top 10 running back? Like he very well could have last year if he had just played Two more games. It's so funny that the analysis would have changed. If he would have finished as a top... If he would have just played two more games, people would have been like, oh, he was great. Irrespective of the numbers themselves, they just would have been like, well, he was top 10. I don't know what to tell you guys, but Clyde Edwards is a really good player. He ended up in a really good offense. And you're just going to have to suck it for a while and understand the fact that this guy... Played well in an offense that didn't run block as expected, but still got better this year. And you hear them talking about it right now, that the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line this year is supposed to be really good. And all of a sudden, here comes people turning the corner. They're dragging this heavy bag of excuses behind them. They're like, fine, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I support Clyde Edwards. I've been there all along. I was standing here. I was just behind you, but I was close. I could see you. I could hear you. Anyways, Jesse, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, most popular card uh, purchase over the last 30 days. Jesse, we got a question from Brady Miller, uh, one of the patrons, patreon.com forward slash I'm Outrage. Listen, guys, I want to tell you that Ethan Motz, uh, uh one of Jesse and I's friends, dude, uh, smart, smart card, uh, uh, you know, enthusiast, researcher, right? All of it. I mean, uh, speak on his behalf, but this guy is amazing um it it would be it would be interesting to to talk to him uh
1: live one day on the show perhaps um that's certainly within the realm of possibility but um he he's found his lane um he is as as a grader, he is he is like insane he has like the eyes of a falcon in terms of spotting spotting uh Anything that's wrong with any raw card. Like, this guy's gem rate in terms of how he grades is like incredible. Um, he just knows what to like. He's, he's, he's a very sharp dude. Um, I'm happy that I get to talk to with him on like on an almost daily basis. Um, yeah he's and and his his articles on on uh, on the patreon page for the uh, the auction hunter articles they're they've been fantastic. I mean, I, I read them every week and there's honesty cards that I consider buying myself every
0: week. yeah, he's incredible and that's what I wanted to get to is he does the auction hunter articles and he's gonna do other things in the future and they're up there every Friday. He does a really good job of leading you to excellent cards and Jesse, I think you might have just solved our greater shortage PSA. They need more graders. They should hire Falcons. Why have they not thought about this? If they hired more Falcons, there's so many out there. They could put them in a cage, put a little seed in there, put some water, and just pump out card grades, right? You could teach them to do a lot of things. I don't know why we couldn't teach them to grade cards. Jesse, so Brady Miller asks, what is the most underrated set for football? So, when you think through your sets and I guess the question would be when I think about the 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 terms underrated I I think of it from a value perspective I think of it from a potential upside perspective you know long-term collectability perspective is there one that checks a box for you personally I out of out of the uh, and
1: we're talking modern here so I'm not I'm not going back far um out of all the modern football sets the most underrated i would say is optic um and that's because the a maj- some here and there aren't but a majority of the autos in optic are on card and pe like you pay up to get a con- like a contenders optic box for on card autos and you get like two a box whereas <coughs> i'd have to look up the pack odds for For optic for just regular optic but the the cards are the cards are super nice um i think i don't know it this is this is kind of like we're kind of i'm kind of digging into another like subtopic in this question but the amount of parallels that panini is pumping out for like prism and select it's just like honestly for me it it just might be too many parallels like i'm a simple guy i don't know like i i really like the cool design of cards some some of them are really cool but just like I don't know if we need five different types of gold. Like, why don't we just have like one to two golds refractor out of ten cards? Um, I feel like Panini has been messing. Uh, I don't want to say messing. That's an aggressive term, but like they've been fiddling around with Optic the least. So they've they've kind of kept Optic the most true to what it's always been since twenty since its re- initial release in twenty sixteen. Um, so from a purity perspective and from 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 a collectability and a simplicity perspective and from a price perspective i probably like optic the most um in terms of what you're getting like in terms of the bang for your buck um and like i said the, the the autos are on card the parallels in that set are beautiful like nate you i mean you obviously know about this the black pandora at a 25 like that's, that's just, I don't have any myself, but that is such a beautiful parallel. It's not, it's, it's not even funny. Um, and it's like, it's so, it's so simple. Like it's just such like a simple parallel. And I think 25 is like a perfect amount for it. Um, they have non autos of that parallel. They have autos, obviously gold. Like I, I love really anything gold. And, and, uh, I didn't mention this, but optic gold just kind of depending on the year but most years of optic gold they they just kind of give me tops chrome gold vibes i don't know and i'm i'm a huge tops chrome fan so i i would probably say out of out of all the modern sets um optic is by far for me the most underrated
0: optic it looks really cool and like you said they have some really cool parallels i do love the of 25 and i actually like that as you mentioned it's intermixed with on card autos or no auto. I think that that's kind of a unique way to do that same serial numbered group of cards. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, when I go searching for whatever reason, I always find myself trending that direction because I just find that those cards have a cool look graphically, the way they put them together. Um, they just that the continuity of it has stayed together, and it's a really it's a really cool looking card for its price point for its upside. I mean, because you can get them relatively inexpensive if you find guys that are sort of Fall into the wayside temporarily. But conversely, go look at their ceiling. Many of these cards can go for a lot of money if, if you get the right card and the right player um, and it would gems out or, you know, you can buy so much raw stuff too. Oh my God, how much raw stuff is there on eBay?
1: Honest to God, I you don't even have to go to players that fell by the wayside. Like you can look at somebody like a Patrick Mahomes, I Brady. All Brady stuff is really expensive right now, so he's not a great example. But somebody who's going to be relevant in cardboard for a long time. Like even think about somebody like Aaron Rodgers, where if you look at his obviously his Prism Gold is going to be like it's it's just going to be a shit ton of money that not a lot of people are going to be willing to to drop immediately for a card like that, no matter how beautiful it is. Um, but if you compare a prism gold or a prism select uh, field level gold out of 10 and uh, you compare those two cards to the optic gold it from what i've been seeing the optic gold always goes for the least amount of money um i mean that's that's kind of a lie just because mosaic mosaic goes for a little bit less but that's just because mosaic they just have so many damn gold parallels they have gold wave, gold shimmer, gold disco, gold, gold whatever the fuck. So, um they I mean I love gold, but like this just dude, don't don't destroy gold, please Panini. Um but uh, gold optic, you can you can get them for a fraction of the price of of prism and and select gold gold cards.
0: Yeah, it there's there's a lot out there. I love your answer. So Brady, uh take jesse's advice, go look at optic. It's something that I've collected. and I, I think it's for sure the, the perfect sort of cross-sectional area of everything that people in the consumer market that aren't looking to necessarily blow every single dollar they have um, can can go to to find some really nice stuff. So, Jesse, thank you again. Thanks for holding it together for the whole show. There was a couple coughs off to the side. I just tried to talk louder, uh, you know, just like over the top of them. Maybe I'll throw like a clap in when you would cough. So uh, great episode as usual. And we will be back next week on Clear the Cash.